Hey guys, welcome to Nick's Snack for Neologisms, episode 5, where we define and discuss the most amazing words in the English language. And actually, I have a secret to tell you guys. One of the words is not amazing. At least in this episode, there's one word I just can't freaking stand. I'll tell you about it later. But anyhow, our three words are meretricious, equivocate, and augury. So let's get on to our words. Our first word is meretricious. It's spelled M-E-R-E-T-R-I-C-I-O-U-S. That's M-E-R-E-T-R-I-C-I-O-U-S. It's phonetic, meretricious, meretricious, meretricious. Try saying it if you haven't. It's a fun word to say. And it means alluring by show of flashy or vulgar attractions. Its definition is alluring by show of flashy or vulgar attractions. So when I go to that definition, is there something that comes to your head when I say alluring by a show of flashier Vulcan attractions? Because to me, I guess the first thing that popped into my set, my head <clears throat> was a carnival. I just remember going to carnivals when I was a little kid and, and there's something about them that's very alluring, but then, then you got all these like creepy carnival people that work there and they just, they're just creepy. They just creep me out. And I don't know if that's, if it's, if it's right to call it vulgar or not. But that's the first thing that came to my head was a carnival. You've got all these great rides there. You've got sort of a smell of, of, of popcorn and maybe cotton candy. But then there's also something about it that just seems a little insincere and just something that's just off. I don't know what it is. Which brings me to the second definition of the word of meretricious and that it can be, meretricious can mean something that's based on pretense, deception, or insincerity, right? So when you're at the carnival and you're playing one of those games and they're like, oh, you can win one of these big stuffed animals. All you got to do is throw this freaking huge ball into this tiny hole, right? You guys have played that game, right? Where you try to throw the, I can't remember actually how it works, but there's something where you're throwing a ball and it's like so freaking hard to get it that almost anyone, that almost no one wins. And I feel like the people that actually do win are probably part of the carnival themselves. They just actually walk around with the animal to sort of alert people into trying to play their stupid games that no one can win, right? So... That's meretricious. Those are its definitions. And then it, it can also mean something that is pertains to or is characteristic of a prostitute. So if you've seen those videos in Amsterdam of those prostitutes that are dancing behind the glass wall and they've got the red, yellow, green lighting or whatever, and they're sort of dancing in a very lewd sexual way, sort of a vulgar way, that would be a meretricious display of dance or of prostitution. Those are meretricious women. So one way you can remember meretricious is just thinking that it sort of has the word merit in it, kind of, but not really. It sort of has the word merit in it, and then it also almost has the word vicious in it. So something that is meretricious, I think of it this way, something that is merit vicious is something that has on the face of it has merit, but it's actually like vicious merit. There's nothing that's really there. There's nothing real under the merit. Another way you can remember that I found online is something that sounds, someone someone came up with uh, this one and it says meretricus, meretricus, sounds like meretricious, right? Meretricus, it just is something that merely tricks us. So it's catchy, it's, it sort of catches our attention, but it just tricks us in the end because it's insincere and deceptive. So here are some examples I found of uh, meretricious being used in uh, an example online. So these are three examples here. It says, if it wasn't mediocre or second rate, it was downright meretricious. And then the next example is go the next example goes, meretriciously, the entertainer walked along the stage as if to direct our attention away from the magician. And then the last example goes, the slums in Galar were filled with meretricious women trying to make a quick buck. 
So that's the word meretricious. And remember, it just means something that's very alluring, something that's showy or flashy, and then usually has like a hint of vulgarity to it. Something that's sort of tastelessly vulgar is something that's meretricious. Okay, so uh, let's move on to our next word, which is equivocate. This is a great word. I love this word, and it makes up for the last word, which I don't like. So equivocate is awesome. It's spelled E-Q-U-I-V-O-C-A-T-E, equivocate. That's E-Q-U-I-V-O-C-A-T-E. And it means to use ambiguous or unclear expressions, usually in order to avoid commitment or in order to mislead. So if you guys listened to one of my last podcasts, I'm not sure which episode it was, but we covered the word prevaricate. And prevaricate and equivocate are actually, they can be synonyms, although I think of prevarication as more... It has a stronger intention of lying, whereas like equivocation, uh, it doesn't have that sort of like pejorativeness that that uh, prevaricate does. Like when someone prevaricates, they're definitely lying, right? They're speaking falsely about something. Whereas if someone's equivocating, they're not necessarily lying, but they're using sort of ambiguous language or they're sort of they're sort of um, dancing around the subject of what it is they're talking about in order to. Uh, in order to not necessarily mislead, but in order to just maybe not give a straightforward answer. So that's what equivocation is, right? So it's um, I think equivocation is something that's more acceptable in the American culture for sure than prevarication is, right? Like we don't accept lying, but we accept equivocation to some degree. Um, just think about the last time, I don't know, one of your really close friends asks you, maybe not a close friend, maybe an acquaintance, because I feel like with my close friends, I can usually... I can usually just be bluntly honest with them, but maybe someone who's like, you know, an acquaintance, acquaintance or something like that, and they ask you a question, and it's, and you don't want to give them a straightforward answer because you're worried about hurting their feelings or something like that, so you might equivocate, right? Um, there's also that, that uh, you guys might remember from high school. You remember that sentence like, "Did you eat Bob?" or "Did you eat Bob?" There's that sort of equivocating comma that's in there. If you forget that comma, then those that sentence can be ambiguous because it's referring to, hey, did you actually eat Bob or have you eaten yet, Bob, right? So um, what else? People equivocate all the time too when when someone asks them a probing question or a personal question and they just don't feel comfortable answering it. It's, it's not uncommon for people to equivocate. So that's equivocation, equivocate, equivocate, equivocate. Um, the way that I remember it is if you look at the word, it's E-Q-U-I-V-O-C-A-T, equivocate, right? It's got that kind of like equal part to it as a prefix, and it's got that sort of like vocate as a suffix, or as sort of the root part of the word, that vocate, vocal, which refers to speech. So you can remember it as sort of like equal speak or equal equal speech. So if you were to make two sounds that sounded equal, or sounded similar, it would be hard to distinguish those two sounds from one another. And so those sounds might be ambiguous to you. So that's equivocate. If you're equivocating, you could be making two ambiguous sounds. You're being ambiguous in expression. So hopefully that works as a mnemonic. Uh, Here are some examples I found online of the word being used in a sentence. Because he is in the right, he cannot afford to compromise, and his leaders cannot afford to equivocate. And then the next example goes, in neither case did the speakers evade these questions, nor did they equivocate. And then the final example goes, Mr. Jones did equivocate somewhat on a cross-examination in his deposition. So that's the word equivocate. It's a great word. Say it, use it in a sentence, sentence and try to use it maybe throughout the week, and that'll help you remember it. Equivocate, equivocate, equivocate. 
Okay, so let's move on to our last word, which I cannot stand. I don't know why I can't stand it. There's just something about it that bothers me. I don't know what it is, but I decided to include it on this podcast because it's one of those words that will show up for the GRE or maybe even the SAT if you're studying for those. And plus, I don't like not knowing a word, so I figured what the hey, we'll just do this word anyway. This word is augury. It's spelled A-U-G-U-R-Y. That's A-U-G-U-R-Y. And it means the practice or the practice of attempting to foretell future events, or it can mean an omen, token, or an indication. Obviously, an indication of something, right? So apparently this word comes from the ancient Roman Greek mythology stuff. I don't really know anything about history, but that's where the word was first used. So an augur, I guess, was a person who would foretell events back in classical times, right? So they would look at maybe uh, things in their environment, or they would, they would even look, according to my research, they would look at animal entrails to see sort of what those entrails meant and then what sort of the surrounding environment might tell them. So I don't know, maybe they see like a thunderstorm or something like that and Ah, it means Zeus is bad, but anyhow, or Zeus is pissed off or whatever, but anyhow, an auger is just someone who foretells a vet. So I guess you could, you could think of an auger as someone who's like an analyst, like a financial analyst or a financial, um, or like a, like an economist could be an auger, but usually the word auger is used with something a little more mysterious and sort of supernatural, right? So, uh, the, the job of an auger back in ancient Greek times was to interpret divine will by means of signs in nature and stuff like that. So the four, the way that I remember this word or the way, the way that I remember its definition is I think that the word auger or augury is very close to the word August. And I live in Colorado and here we have four seasons. So in August, I will predict that it's going to snow. So I just associate the prediction with the word auger or augury and I realize, oh, augury is a prediction. So does that make sense? Hopefully it does. Anyhow, um, here are some examples of auger I found in a sentence online. It says, Sarah's victory was then regarded in some circles as an augury of brilliant things to come. The next example goes, weather like this after a snowstorm is certainly an augury of good fortune. And then the last example goes, his shrewd augury, however, was not fulfilled. In fact, none of it came true. So, like, if you guys have heard of uh, Nostradamus, right, that guy was an auger, right? Someone who foretells events, or tries to foretell events, rather, is an auger. So those are our three words, meretricious, equivocate, and augury. Let's see if we can recall their definitions, okay? So the first word is meretricious. Do you guys remember the definition of the word meretricious? And I think the mnemonic was meretricious, if that helps you remember it. So the word is meretricious. What's its definition? Good. It's something that is sort of uh, tastelessly showy, right? Or, or something that has pretense or is deceptive or insincere, right? Or it can relate to a prosody, something like that. All right. What's the definition for equivocate? Good. Equivocate means to use ambiguous or unclear expressions. And then lastly, my least favorite word, maybe not really, but a word that I don't like, augury. What is its definition? Good. Augury just means a prediction of some kind or someone or an augur is someone who foretells events. 
So those are our three words. Thanks for listening, guys, to Nick's Knack for Neologism. Stay tuned for episode six, where we will cover three more great words. And then if you haven't already, please go on iTunes and leave me a review. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. And I will see you later. Bye.